Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. The mission of Man Talks is to help develop self aware, high performing, and impactful men in the world the type of men that you want to be and the type of men you want to be around. Now, joining me today on the podcast is someone who's going to take a deep dive into dating with me. Uh, joining me today is Sarah Jones, who is the founder of Introverted Alpha, the premier dating coaching company for introverted men. Now, don't worry, extroverts. She has got some incredible insight for you as well. This isn't just for introverted men. She just happens to specialize in that. So we take a deep dive in some pretty incredible things. We talk about dating anxiety and how that can lead to issues down the road. Uh, we talk about how to best approach uh, a situation, approach a woman, whether it's in a public place or online. We talk about the ramifications of online dating and some of the issues that can pop up with that. Uh, we talk about once you've gotten into a relationship, uh, how to bridge the gap in communication. Uh, so we really have some touch points on every aspect of dating from the very beginning to maybe not the very end, because that sounds a bit morbid, uh, but, but from from the very beginning all the way up to understanding some of the key points of making a relationship work. Now, just to give you some idea of Sarah, uh, just so you don't think that she's some dating coach that I picked up offline, she has been featured on Business Insider, Forbes, Yahoo Finance, San Francisco Chronicle, Entrepreneur, Inc., and the list goes on and on and on. Ask Men, Men's Fitness. Uh, she has been featured and her company has been featured in a lot of publications because this lady knows what she's talking about when it comes to dating, when it comes to relationships, and when it comes to communication and intimacy. All right, Sarah, welcome to the Men Talks podcast. I'm excited to have you on here. Thanks so much, Connor. I'm really excited to be here. So we're going to gem on dating. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, intimacy and relationships. And it's it's funny because that seems to be the hot button topic for our podcast. It's really business and entrepreneurship and then dating and relationships. And so I'm, I'm excited to have you on here because you have a very interesting and unique approach, which I think is going to benefit a lot of people. So thanks for coming on. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I'm really excited about, about our conversation. So just to dive in, um, I would love to start off with the question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So uh, tell us a story. Tell me and the, and the listeners a story about a defining moment that has made you who you are today. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my very first clients uh, in dating coaching before I started Introverted Alpha was just so lovely and so heartfelt from our first conversation. And he was telling me all about how difficult dating had been for him or really lack thereof, you know, trying to date for so long. And he was telling me things he never told anybody because a lot of guys, they have trouble with dating. I mean, who were they going to tell about that? So he'd read all this pickup advice that said, Hey man, you know, just go out to a library and just pick up women. And so he's like, well, gosh, that's the only advice he'd seen. So he figured that's what he was supposed to do. And he would show up at this library after work and he would just watch women come in, do their shopping, go out. And he just felt paralyzed the whole time because he couldn't make himself 
go up to them and start a conversation. And then he would beat himself up for hours after that, just thinking like, what's wrong with me? You know, why can't I do this simple thing? So he came to our call telling me that. And I pointed out to him that actually, because the pickup advice he was listening to was not about genuine connections. It was about, you know, like notches on a bedpost. So it was actually a good thing. I mean, he had integrity that he couldn't make himself do something that didn't feel right. Didn't feel like a connection. So that was a relief to him. And that's how we started our work. And he soon met a woman at work who was beautiful and into him. And he was so amazed that she was into him and excited. And they started going on dates. And I would tell him to make sure that he incorporated some touch with her because that's so important for women and with chemistry and attraction is to be touched. It's very important. And I have a whole system for this now that I didn't have as nailed down back then because it was so early on. So I think if he were to work with me now, if we were to, you know, this all happened later, he would be good to go. But at the time, the resources that we had was such that he wasn't really incorporating much touch at all. So on their fifth date, they took a walk and she told him, she said, this is so hard for me. This is so hard for me to tell you, but I, you know, I think we should just be friends because I think you're such a great guy. And I wanted to like you so badly. Like I really tried to have feel chemistry with you, but I just don't. And I feel really sad about that, but I just don't. And so I think we should just be friends. He was heartbroken just, I mean, it was awful. So he emailed me. It was late at night. I called him, which I never really did, but I was just like, Oh my God, this is terrible. You know, it was like nine o'clock or something. And I was like, Oh, tell me about it. And he told me about it. It was just so heartbreaking. We hung up the phone. I cried. It was like <laughs> terrible. And then he emailed me later, like that he found his own footing. So this is a beautiful process for me to watch. Cause I was there with him. I listened, we debriefed it. Then he emailed me. He's like, you know what? As mad as this makes me, like I'm channeling that into making sure that that never happens again. And I will never, you know, wait so long to touch. I'll never do that. And it was so awesome to see him come into his own more than I'd ever seen him because he just channeled all that into this resolution. And the very next woman that he met and started dating, they're actually getting married this summer. It's like two years, three, three, well, gosh, three, four years later, they're getting married this summer. And he emailed me about her and how it was when they met and how she gave him feedback later that he just felt so good to be around. And he was just leading so well, and it all felt so good for her. And she noticed that right away. So that moment, those moments with him where he was going through his process, I, I just saw, gosh, you know, when I helped to to support a guy in being able to be genuine and thoughtful and also feel free to move things forward and develop chemistry, they find their way, they find their way through it. And these more introverted or shy guys, those are the ones that they don't really hear that that often. There's not a lot of advice encouraging them to kind of find their own way and, and be their best self. So that's was sort of the beginning, the beginning of embers of, um, of introverted alpha being born. Amazing. I love it. And I, I think it's interesting because what you're doing uh, is so applicable for so many guys. And one of the things that I really wanted to touch on was this idea of dating anxiety. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of guys who, even if they're confident from the outside, and even if they're, even if they're guys that you wouldn't consider to necessarily be um, an introvert, 
they still struggle with the anxiety of approaching a woman and having a conversation with her and talking to her. And I hear it from women all the time, especially in Vancouver, maybe not so much in New York or some of the, some of those cities, but in, you know, in the West coast cities and in, in some of the East coast cities, I hear it a lot from women of like, I just want a man to come and talk to me. And so often guys are, they're, they're not too sure how to approach. So, so are you cool to talk about a little bit about dating anxiety? Cause I think that that's such a great topic. Oh, absolutely. I agree. It really is. And like you said, it, it applies to everyone. And, and especially like all men experience that in a certain way where they feel like they have to do things the right way. And it feels like just very stressful. Mm. Yeah. So from your observation, because you've worked with, I mean, we've, you know, had the opportunity to to both work with a lot of guys. What's been your observation around what causes some of this dating anxiety and, and how it shows up maybe right in the very beginning of, of the relationship or even before the relationship is formed in terms of being able to approach, uh, being able to approach and, and speak to a woman? So it starts when they initially see a woman. Well, it starts before that to even create that kind of thought. But let's say if a guy sees an attractive woman, a common thought is I am attracted to her. You know, she is attractive. I am attracted to her but like she may not be attracted to me or like I have to do something sort of to compensate or to make myself appear attractive to her. So in this case, the power dynamic is just like way off. She's just, you know, we talk about putting women on pedestals is a common term. It's just like the pedestal is just like miles high <laughs> and he's like not up there. She's just up there. So then trying to create a connection from there, it just feels weird. I mean, how could that not feel weird? Or most of the time they just won't because there's no common ground. So what I, what I suggest is it, to try, try to play with this next time they, they see an attractive woman say, you know, she seems to be someone that I would be attracted to because they don't know yet. They have, they're not even that close with her yet. They haven't talked with her at all. They have standards. It's not just about how the shape of her body, like there's so much more than that that goes into attraction for men as well. And I feel like just a lot of society and media just makes men seem like so one dimensional and simple that all they care about is the shape of a woman's body. And that's really not the case. I've never talked to one guy and talked to a lot of guys. I've never talked to one where that's the only thing that matters. It's always the person as a package, you know, and how they are. So when he first sees her, you know, she seems to be someone I would be attracted to. And I know that I am attractive as a person. So that, that takes work to see what is attractive about oneself as a person. So it's assuming that they've done that work. We could talk about that too. So they're like, she, she seems to be an attractive, uh, a person that I would find attractive. I know that I am attractive just in general as a person. So my attractiveness is not staked on her response to me because I am attractive. So that's not up for debate. That's not a question. That is not going to be at all influenced by this interaction. So I, she seems to be a person I would find attractive. I know I am attractive. Let's see if there's a connection and if we end up finding each other attractive. So it's this open loop that is, you know, it's, it's, it's opening a loop that where they're both on the same page, equal footing, 
he's respecting her. He's respecting himself. He doesn't know how attractive he's going to find her personally. It's not, it's also not a judgment on her attractiveness on a scale of one to 10. Okay. We aren't doing that. They had, he has his personal scale of what he finds attractive. Um, you know, so we do use that scale of like, okay, you know, is she, if, if she, whatever scale he, she is on his own for his own preferences, but it's not a, it's not a value or attractiveness judgment onto her. He's not saying that she absolutely is this because it doesn't really matter. What matters is how attractive she is to him and he is attractive period. So now he can go explore with her and see if there's mutual attraction between them. Yeah. I I like that because I think what often happens is there's an anxiety around somebody being maybe not out of their league, but being very attractive. And then the, the sort of mental pedestaling happens, you know, almost instantaneously. So in terms of the approach, I think that's incredible. What about when people are just starting to to date? What are some of the anxieties that, that you've seen come up and, and how how can people overcome that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because the vast majority of anxieties do tend to come up like right in the beginning before a man knows how a woman feels about him, usually before that first kiss. So once for a lot, for a lot of the guys that I talk to, like once she kisses him, he's, he's pretty good because he established everything by feeling comfortable in his own skin, by being genuine with her. He wasn't putting on a front. So contrast that to a, ton of the dating advice out there that's like, oh, you have to do this. You have to do even to like, you know, you have to have this facial expression or like, how can you facial expressions are so complex and intricate and you can't manufacture that people who are in touch with their intuition, which all the guys that, uh, that, you know, that if, if if you're a genuine guy, you want to connect with a genuine woman who can sense things. So you can't fake that. But so much dating advice out there is basically telling you to fake this, fake that, be this, you know, pretend to be that. Well, gosh, that's stressful. So if somebody starts off that way, then of course, by the time they are getting towards their, their second or third date, it's like, God, how long can I keep this up? Because now I'm confused. <laughs> like I'm confused about myself. I'm definitely not relaxed. And it's, that's just a whole other animal compared to, um, starting off seeking a genuine connection, feeling relaxed, because especially for chemistry to happen for a woman, relaxation has to come first. So relaxation plus excitement equals turn on. It's a fun equation that I made up years ago. Uh, But relaxation comes first. And how can she feel relaxed if he is frantic inside? So now some nerves are normal. It's not that he has to be, you know, a Zen master or something, but in general, if he feels comfortable in his own skin, his eyes are open to see is he actually attracted to her? You know, like, so going back to saying, you know, if the woman's attractive, it's like, oh, then there she goes on a pedestal. But the thing is, you know, what about like in a conversation on a date? I mean, somebody can be beautiful, but if they don't have that kind of substance that this, that the guy is seeking in a conversation, then he's not going to enjoy it. And so a lot of the guys, you know, that I talk to feel liberated by acknowledging that they have standards. Like, 
they're going to stay in a conversation when they're enjoying it. They're going to set up a second date because they want to see her again, rather than going through motions and not even paying attention to how they feel, which is what, unfortunately, a lot of the dating advice out there seems to encourage. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Because I think a lot of it is just kind of like push through the, you know, push through it, not not acknowledge it. And it kind of gets people into it. Uh, uncomfortable situations. Um, what have you seen in terms of online dating? Because I'm I'm fascinated by the sort of like online dating culture and and how easy it is for people to slip into this um, mentality that it's easy to pick up people online. And when I say pick up, I mean meet people online. How does dating anxiety show up in terms of meeting people and connecting with people online? Because I, I think that. For a lot of people, that's their sort of default. You know, it's like, oh, I don't have to go and talk to people in person anymore. I can just swipe my way through Tinder or connect with people on Plenty of Fish, and 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 that's just an easier route. What are your what's your thoughts on online dating? Mm-hmm. Such a great question. So if somebody is doing that, like, oh, well, so they don't have to meet people in person, that's kind of like a red flag. It's like, well, God, if you're afraid of meeting people in person, then what's going to happen when you're on the date? I mean, that's going to be in person. So that's one thing. So I always encourage, like, if somebody wants to do online, great, but also see about being able to meet people in person doesn't even have to be this pickup thing, you know, going to an event, noticing somebody you feel drawn to and you know, there's there, first of all, most important is noticing who you feel drawn to and then um, making your way towards them, getting in their line of sight, they can kind of get used to you and then starting a conversation about something in the environment that you both have in common because you're both there. So that's a easy way that's simplified, but it's, you know, easy way to be able to meet people in person doesn't have to be this big ordeal, this big pickup situation. So online, the way that the reason why, the reason why my guys actually and start to enjoy online. Well, number one, when they start getting results, that's great. But even like the process of it, the process is a self-exploration process. So, and, and so obviously it's goal-oriented. You get online so that you can go on dates so that you can meet somebody you like and so on. But if they can enjoy the process of putting together a profile that really expresses them and they look at it and they see their array of photos, they see their profile and they're like, wow, you know, that's me. I'm, I'm great. That feels really good. And then for them, and then when they are searching for, for women, then I always encourage them to like, look at the whole picture, look at like, you know, the, the look in her eyes, for example, does she seem vacant? Cause a lot of people do, or does she seem genuine or whatever they're looking, well, they're always looking for genuine, but what else are they looking for? Does she seem like that from how she presents herself? So now they're, because the anxiety is if they feel like they're in the spotlight. So it's sort of like there's an audience, there's a, there's a room full of an audience and there it's kind of like they're assuming all the women they're there in the audience and that they would want to go on a date with any of those women. <laughs> it's like those women are not in the spotlight because they would want, they just want to date. But then they're on the stage in the spotlight and then all these women are scrutinizing them. So it goes back to that very one-sided, off-kilter way of seeing it versus if they, you know, kind of come into the crowd and they're presenting while they're pleased with how they're presenting and they feel that that reflects them. And then they're actually looking, they're looking, they're paying attention to each woman and saying, do what I enjoy 
going on a date with her? Might I feel attracted to her? Might we, you know, have a, a connection? And so it goes back to that being on equal footing and also enjoying the process and the process of writing a message, the process of going back and forth, noticing, oh, how is this person? Do they seem, do I kind of like how this feels so far? And knowing that everything that they're sensing is just going to be, um, at least on some level, an indication of what it's going to be like in person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how much, how much do you think that the sort of rational and linear thinking gets in the way. Cause I, like, I remember, I mean, I'm not in the dating scene anymore, but if, when, when I was, it was always this sort of, I would always sort of think about it from a progressional state. So I would th think, okay, I'm going to go talk to this girl and then I'm going to say this, and then this is going to happen. And it was almost like trying to create this roadmap of how things were going to unfold. And so it was a very linear or logical approach to trying to connect with somebody, which oftentimes doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, right? So how much of that linear, logical, rational understanding do you feel gets in the way of men being able to connect or, or having a sense of like analysis paralysis where they don't make any moves because they're just stuck thinking about how it should unfold? Such a great question. And as far as the linear logical progression that you described, like what you just described to me, rather than try to tear you away from that or say, no, that's not how you should be thinking of it. What I want to do is actually fill it out and make it more robust and accurate. So that's my approach to linear and logical thinking is like, yay for linear logical thinking. Let's make it more accurate. So you just described to me this linear progression with just one line going between each step. Well, that feels very rigid because what if things don't go to the next step? Where are you going to go? You're stuck or now the whole model is thrown out because it wasn't accurate. You didn't go to the next step. And that's stressful compared to if you think about, I don't know if it's called like a tree graph, but basically, you know, at each point, there's two options. So let's say you see an attractive woman and now it offshoots into two options. You could, you could make your way towards her or you could not. So if you don't, then it ends there, but at least it has a place to end on the graph, you know? And then let's say you talk to her, then the conversation, you could feel chemistry with her, or maybe you don't. And so at any point you have an out or she, you know, the situation has an out where it may not progress further. And if your map is drawn to include that, then it doesn't feel like there's something wrong. There's that there's a problem because there's, because there's not, everything is a possibility on the map. Um, you know, it could go at either way. It, it could go either way at any of the points. Um, so paralysis analysis, I found that it's not because guys are attached to linear logical thinking, because that's actually an asset. It really is. It's you're smart. That's good. <laughs> um, what paralysis analysis happens because you're, you don't have the full picture and you can't see the whole model. And so, you know, it's like, it's like if you're looking at a puzzle and you're trying to make out what it is, but most of the pieces aren't there. Well, then you don't know how to work about it because it doesn't make sense. But we can fill in the pieces of the puzzle and have it make sense. And that's very relaxing, very, very relaxing down to every detail of, you know, how to read a woman in all these different kinds of ways and how to do, it's like building a skill. So if there's not the skill, then of course it's maddening, especially as a analytical guy. But 
using that same analysis to appreciate the nuances of each step of the process and being okay. Of course, it can be disappointing at times, but being okay and with it going either way at any of the points, it's very, it, like I said, it's very relaxing, which then of course makes the woman feel relaxed in the guy's presence, because if he's relaxed then she can relax and then everything's likely to go um, more enjoyably for both of them. Mm, yeah, that's great. I, I like that. And I think, you know, just on the topic of relaxation and, and being able to get into that space, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, that being able to cultivate a sense of not not necessarily confidence, but self appreciation is is how I would sort of describe what you've what you've said and laid out for us. Um, being able to to have a sense of self appreciation about you know what you like about yourself and what you enjoy about yourself that seems to be really important. How important would you say presence is when you are one on one in in the dating scene? I just think, I think it's everything, especially the more present the woman and who doesn't want a present woman, the more important it is for the man to be present so that they can see each other. You know, they can see, they can feel connected because they can, they can see that in each other. It's very important for a genuine connection. There's lots of dating that goes on that doesn't have anything to do with being genuine and that's fine, but that's not what you guys, you know, what, what, what man talks listeners want, um, or introverted alpha guys want, like there's, you want genuineness. So in genuineness, it's very important to be present. That doesn't mean we can't, you know, be distracted by nerves or whatever. We're all humans. Gosh, nobody needs to be perfect, but in general, appreciating what you have in this moment, like if she's enjoying talking with you, that's a gift in this moment that you can appreciate. And if she doesn't later want to go to bed with you, that doesn't mean that the conversation wasn't wonderful for both of you and that it wasn't a gift. Things don't have to like, it's not like every step previous to uh, getting into bed or being in a relationship is negated if those things don't happen. Each of those things, it can be wonderfully enjoyable especially if, um, if, if you're present in that moment. Yeah. I, I like that because I think that, you know, from, from what I've seen, presence is one of the most important components and there's so many things that can distract from that. And oftentimes I, I feel like guys can struggle to be present if there's a lot of anxiety that's showing up in them. You know, if there's a lot of anxiety in walking up and talking to somebody or connecting with them online or, um, you know, sitting down for the first date or whatever the case may be. If there's a, if there's a lot of anxiety, it will often take them out of uh, the present moment along with, which is what I want to move on to next, um, future pacing. What I've noticed is that a lot of guys will future pace. So they will sort of predictively think about what's going to happen on the date or how the relationship's going to unfold. And that will come out in their language. And that can often have an, a pretty significant impact on on how things go. So, how how have you seen future patients show up in in some of your clients, and mm-hmm. and how do we build a, a sense of self awareness around that component? Uh, great question. Uh, so, where I see it happen the most intensely is where they'll say, "Well, I don't even want to." go out to meet someone because I don't want to end up in a relationship where I'm settling. 
So you can see that they jumped like 5 million steps. Um, there's so many steps in between and they can go out. They, they, they have, they can have an out at any point, but oftentimes the future pacing is like, Oh my God, I do this one thing. And then now I'm stuck because I don't want to say no, or I don't know how to access what I want, which is though both of those things are often talked about as experiences that women have. And that's true. I, you know, but at the same time, there are also experiences that men have. So that's one future pacing is where there's just like an inevitable unsavory outcome that prevents action in the first place. Or the unsavory outcome could be, you know, being rejected or whatever, all that stuff. So that's one way that future pacing happens. Um, the other way is, oh my God, she's amazing. I want to make babies with her. She's amazing. We're going to run away in this, the sunset together. Then that, that puts a lot of stress on the guy who's thinking that. And on the woman, it feels like there's all this stress and expectations, which of course detracts from the enjoyment of the moment. Because, you know, if you go on a great date and you have a great time, of course, you're going to want to see each other again. And then you have another great date. You have another great time. Of course, you're going to want to see each other again and so on and so on. And then after several dates, then, you know, you, you have a deeper connection and that's when you can talk about something, um, more long-term or kind of explore that together, but it's a process. So both of those ways that, so there's the two ways is he gets ahead of himself by assuming a negative outcome. And so just holding back because he, he assumes that taking the first step is just going to like, um, transplant him into the last step that he doesn't want where he'll feel trapped. Cause one thing I love about men and I guess women too, I resonate with this a lot too, is the desire for freedom and being free. So I really appreciate that fear. Like, Oh my God, thank you for not wanting to settle and not wanting to feel trapped. I don't want that for you either. But the thing is just because you say hi to someone doesn't mean you're going to end up there unless you turn off your brain and you turn off your feelings and you just go through motions. As long as you're paying attention to how you feel in each moment and checking in, how do I feel with her now? How do I feel with her now? Um, it's just a simple question. And then you can make sure to honor that feeling and that desire to either see her again or not, or take the next step or not. And you can always not always. So that's one. And kind of the way to resolve that is to realize, okay, I have a choice at each point. I'm not going to be transplanted into uh, an unhappy relationship. I'm committed to paying close attention to how I feel and respecting myself and her. Because if I'm saying yes to her, that's actually really shitty if it's a halfway yes, because now I'm entrapping her in something that nobody should be in. And that's a big aha for a lot of guys, you know, with like the quote unquote nice guy thing where they think that they're being nice by going to the next step when they don't want to, but actually it's, it sucks for everybody. Cause now they, now that he's robbing her of her choice, cause he's not being honest with her. So then she doesn't have all the information she needs to make her choice. So the second option of future pacing is where they just get caught up into this fantasy and they want it to be all these ways. But you know, where that really comes from is just thinking like, Oh, I got really lucky. I found one, <laughs> um, feeling really lucky and feeling like, I don't know if I can repeat this you know, whereas if they learn the skills, it's a skill to build and they learn the skills and then they, they can relax. Cause it's like, ah, oh, she is great. She is great. And I don't even know her that well yet. And there are so many other women who are great too. 
I'm interested in her. I definitely want to keep seeing her and exploring this, but my gosh, there are so many other women as well. So I really don't need to worry now that I have the skills to be able to attract them or now that at least I'm building the skills to be able to attract them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I like that because I think that for a lot of guys that future pacing does come up was we live in the future quite a bit, right? We we're thinking about the businesses that we're building. We're thinking about our career. We're thinking about our family, like that being in the future is uh, oftentimes what I see is that a lot of men live in the future, right? They're living on the other side of their goals and some of the things that they're trying to accomplish. And that can, that can have a, a pretty occasionally a negative impact on the relationships that they're in or the relationship that they're trying to find themselves in. So just to shift gears a little bit, I wanted to touch on before, before we wrap things up, I wanted to touch on social fluency because this is something that gets tossed around. You know, I've seen it all over. It's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty big buzzword for like the last five years. And it's something that, something that you've talked about. So I would love to hear your perception of what social fluency actually is and how someone can actually cultivate a deeper sense of it. Mm -hmm. So I like to say that social fluency is a skill, not a personality, because what that means to me is that it's not like you're either born with it or you're not like an innate talent or something. It's a skill to build. And the magic, the magic of skill building and relationships and dating and social life is that it's not just learning a skill like you would learn math. It's like something fixed and there's a right answer and a wrong answer. It's learning a skill while combining that with your knowledge about yourself and your growing knowledge about yourself. It's, it's a self-actualizing process, which is, I think, the most satisfying, the most satisfying thing about being human is, you know, self-actualizing Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I really like that model. And self-actualization is at the top. And, you know, the guys that go through, you know, our, our program say, you know, yeah, the dates are amazing. They're wonderful. But the best part is that I feel more like myself than I have in years or ever. And so that is what that, that is what social fluency is to me is where you're feeling like yourself. You're enjoying being yourself in the company of other people that you're also enjoying them. So it's just a lot of enjoyment. <laughs> you're enjoying yourself. You're enjoying them. You're enjoying the connection, the dynamic. You know, I think, um, like imagine you're talking to someone at a party and you, you can just take a moment to say, okay, gosh, I, this conversation is interesting, or even if it's not your very favorite, it's just, there's something about it. There, it's engaging enough for you to stay in it, or, you know, there's something valuable. This person, people are fascinating. If you've lived for 30 years, my God, that's 30 years of life. That's fascinating. I mean, or babies are also fascinating. Everybody's fascinating. So having that perspective of fascination and then also incorporating presence and joy, you know, the feeling of the cold drink in your hand or the soft sofa that you're sitting on or the, the, the hum of other people's conversations. Um, you know, those kinds of things are very relaxing and, and, uh, in your body, they feel very relaxing and that just, it makes you a very comfortable person to be around. Um, people can feel at ease around you. So when you feel at ease with yourself and you're appreciating other people, you're curious about them, like, because they're just fascinating because people are fascinating. And one more thing is that 
it's, you don't have to make a connection with everyone. And this is a relief to introverts, but also to extroverts, geez, to anybody that is like, Oh, and you know, to be the life of the party. And I've got to make my rounds and talk to everybody, even though I don't like so-and-so and so-and-so that's okay. You can't, how can you like everybody? How can you feel a connection that feels very good with everybody in a room, unless it's a very well curated room (laughs) or something. But, you know, generally there's going to be people that you click with more than others. So showing up at any kind of an event or, or a party, scanning the room for who you feel most drawn to. So this obviously applies in dating if, you know, who do you feel attracted to, but also socially. And for guys who are not comfortable with dating yet, um, then I just use this step as a preliminary step and as a step in and of its own. Who do you feel drawn to in general? You know, attraction aside, could be another guy that you just, there's something about him that you just like. And then starting up a conversation about the environment, whatever that is, the music, the drinks, the host, the event, the talk, whatever it is that you're there, um, making a comment on it, um, starting a conversation that way, then you're, cause you can't talk to everybody in a room. So by talking with the people, by curating yourself who, you know, based on who you feel drawn to, it's going to make the process so much smoother and you're going to feel much more socially fluent because you're actually enjoying yourself. Mm, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so just because we have to wrap, start wrapping up here, Sarah, I, one of the questions that I really was uh, curious to get your insight on um, was from, from a woman's perspective, what are some really important pieces about dating, about um, connecting with women that all, maybe not all, but most men should know? Definitely. Yeah. Well, I've kind of touched on it a little bit throughout that women are very intuitive, especially the kinds of women that the guys listening are most likely attracted to. Um, because if a woman's very intuitive and relaxed herself, I mean, gosh, just that picture in my mind, it's like, ah, oh, what an amazing person to be around. So women like that are going to be very intuitive. And there's really not a lot you can do to like put up a front or perform. And that's actually a relief because God, is that fun anyway? No. Is that respectful to yourself anyway? No. Versus if you can find your own relaxation, your own enjoyment within your own skin, within yourself, and just enjoying being a man and being your own man and also presenting well, you know, just being somebody that you feel really proud to be uh, as a starting point and then appreciating women and letting yourself feel that attraction, letting yourself feel you know, I'm a man and I'm attracted to this woman or attracted to this man or woman attracted to women, uh, whatnot. But enjoying that feeling of attraction, when you do that, she feels it and it feels really good. In fact, I'm blushing right now just talking about it, just imagining like the feeling of a man's attention on me and feeling attracted to me. It's It, it feels really nice and and, and vulnerable and exciting and relaxing. So it's lots of good things for women. So I think a lot of guys are afraid of feeling that fully or enjoying that fully. But as long as you just enjoy that in the moment and you're not expecting more, you just enjoy this moment, then it doesn't come across as pressure to her. It just comes across as, as a gift. 
I love it. I love it. That's such a great way to end too, because you're you're offering up some some pretty sage advice. Um, for actually, I just have one last question. One last question, if that's okay. Um, and it's for the introverts that are in relationships. I think that one of them, you know, one of the important things is that once. Uh, once we start to get into a relationship, um, you know, obviously our behavior starts to shift and we start to change and we start to adapt to our partner. Um, do you have any insight or advice that you could give the people that have entered into a relationship? What are some of the obstacles that most introverts face once they've sort of connected with somebody and start really dating them seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I really love mating in captivity as a, it's an amazing book. Um, and, and in it, there's this interesting dichotomy between security and passion. And that it's interesting that in modern relationships, we kind of want both in this, well, we definitely want both in the same relationship. And it's easy to go really far to one side, usually security always. It's very easy just to become very secure and then forfeit passion and adventure. And so I think just kind of notice that. I mean, the book is great. It's an an interesting read because it's about staying true to who you are and knowing what you want and exploring that. And also sometimes people are afraid to explore what they want just in case it's not what their partner wants, but it's okay to explore what you want. doesn't mean you're going to have to go act on it right away, but you can at least get to know yourself and be true to yourself by at least knowing what you want, or if there's more passion or adventure or, or something different that you're wanting, it's okay to explore that for yourself. Um, and then, communicating that with your partner, being curious what your partner might want. And that same relaxation and openness and enjoyment that we've talked about bringing in and dating as much as you can bring that in little ways into your partnership, the better, the better it's going to be for both of you. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us in the Men Talks podcast. And for all the listeners that are out there, where can they find you? We're going to have the links in the, in the bio below, but where can they find you? Yeah, you can go to bit.ly slash mantalksia. I put together a little gift for you guys. Um, it's, it's an ebook, 22 page ebook that has an exercise on finding what makes you uniquely attractive and what works instead of the pickup artist approach. And it's just, it's a classic. I wrote it right when I started Introverted Alpha. And um, I just got countless emails of guys who've really enjoyed it. And it's been, had a lot of big insights for them. And of course it's, it's free. So if you go to bit.ly slash mantalksia, you can get that ebook. And that will also put you on my email list, which is the main way that I communicate with all my guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks again for joining me. Uh, next week, we have some incredible guests coming and joining us on the Man Talks podcast. So for all the listeners out there, go ahead and go to mantalks.com for more podcast episodes, more blog posts and videos from our live events. And don't forget to tune in next week. Join me for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual.